You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. It's your team every day. Someone who does a phenomenal job of covering the Charlotte Hornets every single day. It's Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer, and we enjoy having him every single Tuesday. Find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing amidst trade deadline week? Uh, You know, at this particular second that we record this, I'm under a blue sky on the greenway, so I'm doing just fine. <laughs> Getting away from all of it. How how busy is this week for you, Rick? I mean, is it just, it, like, if there is a totem pole, if there's a hierarchy of some of the crazier things that you have to cover yearly for the Charlotte Hornets, where does trade deadline week rank? Three nuttiest weeks of the calendar, in some order, are draft week, uh, um, summer league, um, coinciding with the start of free agency. Yeah. And this one. And, you know, I don't think the trade deadline is necessarily um, that big a deal for all 30 um, franchises because of the Hornets' track record. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, they do not like not participating in this annual February event, so it's something I'm very conscious of. Well, and Rick, I think you've mentioned it before, maybe in the last couple of weeks, but you did have a good track record because of Rich Cho had been there a couple of years, and you've become, uh, you've become accustomed to what Rich Cho might do at the deadline. Like, have you done research with Cupcheck, just like what you already know with what he did with the uh, with the L.A. Lakers, or do you have any inkling on what to expect, or is just this completely new to you as well as it is to us? Well, the short answer is it is completely new to me, but I will tell you something, that when we talk about whether this is, whether what's happened the last few years is a rich show construct, what I would caution you about is a long time ago, Michael Jordan mentioned to me that he thinks that of the three ways that you build a team, you know, drafting, free agency, and trades, he had his philosophy on this is that he believes that trading is the most reliable way to do something about your roster. And then, you know, when you think about it, there's some logic to that. Trading is the only circumstance in which you, ha- you have both, and ha- you're, you're inheriting both a, a known salary with a known contract, and you are getting, acquiring somebody with an NBA track record. You know, Michael likes to be a trader, and it is by far the transaction that has worked out best for them in the past. Absolutely. We've seen it work time and time again. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And Rick, Malik Monk has become an interesting player, even more so the last four games. Fourth quarter, Malik Monk has shown up, I believe, in three of the last four where he's contributed in a big way. And this is a guy that has been thrown around in a lot of mock trades that you see with the deadline fast approaching. It's a guy that still has a lot of upside, but maybe a lot of people haven't bought into because of some of the inconsistencies but again, we have seen a recent surge from him in the last four games. What have you made of what Malik Monk has performed like uh, here in the last week or so? Uh, you know, I, one of the things I like about James Borrego, one of the ways that he reminds me of Steve Clifford is I think he's very much a say what you do and do what you say kind of guy. You know, when JB says something, I don't think it's BS. And whether this is true or not, I think Borrego believes that he has truly seen Monk turn the corner. 
And let's, you know, let, I mean, yeah, you know, the, the offense is nice, but the offense was always going to be there. There are going to be, you know, there are going to be random games no matter what else he does when he goes off for 20 points. That's not what they're so excited about right now. What they're excited about is he's starting to get it a little bit defensively. He is starting to get it about his ability to draw defenders and find an open shot for somebody else. And that's the stuff that we absolutely did not see from him as a rookie. Some of that, you know, gets deserves some credit for that, is Tony Parker. One of the many little to-do list things for Tony when he became here that Borrego gave him was straighten out Malik Monk, and he had an effect that way. The other thing to keep in mind about this, and, you know, Walker, you and I talk about this a lot, but I don't think it can be overstated. The subtext of Jeremy Lamb um, becoming an unrestricted free agent in July is not a small thing. They have to have a plan B. And that plan B, most logically, is Malik Monk. And some, that, that probably gets lost when we discuss the development yep. of Malik Monk. And everybody wants him to be good, and for good reason. But that probably gets lost as much as anything. You have the nice option of Lamb and Monk right now. Next season, that's probably not going to be the case. No, but you know something? If if there's one thing I don't worry about it with this team, it's having enough wing players. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, they have too many right now. Um, the fact that Dwayne Bacon... Has is is off with a G League right now says an awful lot because you know there is a you know you wouldn't be afraid to have Dwayne Bacon as a backup wing player on this on this uh, league, um, but he is well outside the rotation right now and frankly that says you know that says as much about the Hornets roster as it does about Dwayne Bacon. Well, and one other potential guy the Hornets could have had as maybe that type of wing mold would have been Shea Gilgis Alexander and Rick you and I both professed our love for SGA's game right after the uh, college I basketball love me from SGA. <laughs> Yeah, it it, it it was fantastic. And I I was all there with you. I wanted the Hornets to get him. They did and then they traded him to the LA Clippers. Had a phenomenal start to the season. Has since dwindled down. I mean SGA has minutes have gone down his production has gone down even his shooting as well do we know what's happened to him over there out in LA um you know rookies I I don't think the rookie wall is a myth I think the people go through stuff I mean look at Miles Bridges the last uh, 10 games his his productivity has gone way down they are at a point now where they're thinking wait a minute this is what a college season ends what am I doing playing all these games right now um Walker I think the bigger story about SGA is how effectively uh, he and his agent manipulated the system. Uh, the, the Clippers, um, Doc Rivers told my friend Doug Smith up in Toronto this, the Clippers literally had SGA fourth or fifth on their board. They were determined to get him. They thought he was the guy. And if you're Shea Gilgis Alexander, and you have a chance to play for Doc Rivers, who was a terrific NBA point guard, to develop how good you can be, um, here's a little nuance about um, the way that the uh, the NBA CBA works. Um, rookie scale contracts now are so slotted that being drafted high doesn't make you a lot more money than if you're drafted in the middle of the first round. The second contract matters a whole lot more. Uh, what, what basically what SGA's agent said is. The Clippers are vested in your future, and that's where we want to get you there. So we'll do whatever we have to do to keep other teams from working you out. And that's exactly what they did. And the Hornets were one of the teams that he, he refused to work out for, and he got what he wanted. And, uh, you know, he was, 
he was a Hornet for about five minutes. Uh, I think I have him ranked behind Kobe and Zaza Pachulia as the greatest Hornet never to, <laughs> never to actually play more than never to be on the roster for more than five minutes. And that's probably a good list. Yeah, we'll see what SGA ranks later on in his career. And Rick, you said earlier today on the wake up call, just continue our discussion about some of the young players here with the Charlotte Hornets. Billy Hernan Gomez had a real opportunity, I think, to come in and be impressive in Cody Zeller's absence. Now Cody Zeller is expected to come back. It looks like he is going to play tonight. And after you kind of look at what Billy did during Cody Zeller's absence, I don't think that you leave overtly impressed with what he did. Did he miss an opportunity? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like um, Borrego was looking for an excuse to start Biz. It happened because <clears throat> Billy did not show the, uh, you know, the consistent production at both ends of the, ends of the floor that Borrego needed from him. Uh, you know, you do not, yeah, you know, Biz makes a lot of money. And to, to Borrego's credit, he does not write people off. But that wasn't plan A, that was plan B. Uh, Billy knew, because he talked about this, what an exceptional opportunity he had when Cody broke his hand. And, you know, would you not agree with me that we don't know anything more about Billy Hearn and Gomez's future now than we did before Kobe got hurt. Cody got hurt? No, not at all. And again, there, there are times he's unplayable on defense, and you saw that against Boston. They had to take him off the court. I mean, you, you have seen Billy Hernan Gomez struggle at that end of the floor. And I've said this, Rick, not that, don't get it twisted, right? I've said this before, not that teams are knocking down the door to go after Bismack Biombo, but Bismack has, <laughs> no. oh, oh, not, has only improved his value. Like, it, it's not big, it, it's not a lot of value, but at least Bismack has shown you, you know what, he's not the guy that was buried on the bench at the beginning of the season. There are times where you can get some effectiveness from him. Except I don't think the issue with Biz was ever whether or not he had a, still had a purpose in the NBA. I think the issue with Biz is, you know, that, that lovely price tag of $17 million. Well, that hurts. Um, <laughs> a little. Um, I think the backside of that that could be kind of interesting, though, is when you have that massive a contract, once you get the last season of that contract, you know, do you become an interesting uh, chess piece as an expiring deal? And Rick, with Cody Zeller coming back, it looks like James Brago is ready to throw him right in the middle of the fire right away with not, not a whole lot of weaning himself back into action. Do you expect him to come back full throttle, and how effective do you think he'll be? It has been five years since I had a break in a new head coach, <laughs> and so I got very used to Steve Clifford's habits uh, I have no track record with Borregos, and this is the first extended injury for a significant player. So I was really curious in an open-ended way how he would deal with the uh, Zeller situation. And if, if he does what he said the last two days that he intends to do, um, he wants to throw Cody into the deep end of the pool and see if he can handle swimming. Um, you know, what he said at practice uh, Monday was, you know, everybody knows who Cody is. Everybody knows how he plays, and he's done a terrific job. You know, it is a little bit of an advantage, by the way, that this wasn't a lower body injury. He was able to do some conditioning stuff the last month that he wouldn't if the fracture had been like a, you know, in, you know, in a, of a leg or something. So they feel like Cody is not going to take long at all to be a factor again, and Borrego, I think, is going to push the envelope a little bit in that regard. 
And Rick, just kind of looking, last question here, just looking over the general <laughs> landscape of the NBA, biggest storyline is Anthony Davis and which team he is going to go to. We've seen him request a trade, I think, within the last week, and now he's got a new list of teams, of teams he'd be willing to sign a long-term extension with. Just the entire Anthony Davis situation, what does this say about the way stars are trying to enforce their power in the NBA? I have no problem whatsoever with players taking more control over the course of their careers. Um, I think that LeBron James, in general, has been good for the league that way. I, you know, I, I've said on your show several times that I think that LeBron views his relationship with whichever team he plays for more as a partnership than as an employer-employee thing, and there's no wrong with that. Uh, the only part that I have a problem with is I really think that Anthony Davis's agent did something inappropriate by going public with uh, Davis's request to be traded. There was nothing that that did but put the Pelicans in a box and, you know, force them, make it harder for them to operate. Um, I don't think that's real appropriate. I'm not saying that, you know, but, but I mean, it, it, you know, it's to me, it's no different than when the Lakers twice in the last two years have been um, uh, fined for the league for tampering. Um, the league needs to do something about this, and quite frankly, fines are not sufficient to change people's behavior until the league starts doing tough things, like, for instance, um, stripping draft picks from teams that tamper. Um, nobody's going to take that very seriously. All right, that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. He's got an article on Malik Monk coming out that deserves your attention. Go check his Twitter page, at Rick underscore Bennell. You can find it on charlotteobserver.com. Thanks so much for joining us once again. We always appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We'll come back here quickly on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but is that, is they, that the guy? They were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night. They didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on LockdownHornets.com. Check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, and at Doug Branson, LOH, our show handle, most social media platforms, at Locked On Hornets. Rick Bennell, appreciate him. Again, just dropped that Malik Monk article and about his importance on how he's had a surgence here, how he's had a surge, really, on what he's done the last four games and how important that is because of what you might do with Jeremy Lamb, either this offseason or at the trade deadline. And just going to go over some quick trade deadline um, at least updates, really no updates, just kind of taking a scan across the NBA. Mark Stein joined the Dan Levitard show right before I walked in, and he was asked about, is there is there any stars that aren't household names that might be mystery guys that could be gone that would surprise most people watching the NBA? Didn't have any mystery guys for us, but he continues to reiterate the want of the Memphis Grizzlies to deal both Mike Conley and Marcus All. And again, every time Marcus All is brought up, it seems like the Hornets have been the most featured team surrounding yeah. Marcus All. So it's just it. You wonder if there's a a 
really big want for Memphis to try to get rid of both of these guys and get some kind of assets at the deadline, and perhaps it gets done. Maybe not with Hornets, but both of these guys. Mike Conley, it, it's been like the most mocked trades. We've seen a lot of Marcus All to Charlotte. We've seen a lot of Mike Conley to Utah. Maybe those do come to fruition. Yeah, I think those do come to fruition. The one thing I do think about, though, is with a guy like like uh, Marcus All. Is it better if you just let him walk because he, you know that he's going to opt out where you're just going to be free of that $25 million. Now, granted, they do need assets. They do need to do a teardown. But at the same time, is it just not better to have that exposure around a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. who is growing up, who is going to be your five of the future? And basically show, having this kid with a year like again with Marcus Ole with a year showing him the ropes. I'm not sure that's not the worst thing in the world. And we just talked to Rick. He mentioned the last time that the Hornets played the Grizzlies. They played each other a couple of times within the past couple of weeks. And he talked about Marcus Ole with, I believe, a scout or somebody mm-hmm. with the Memphis Grizzlies organization. And again, you heard what Rick said that this scout, this anonymous source, did say that he felt Marcus Ole did have the physicality and the skill to be effective the next couple of years, but one of the downsides might be his pick and roll defense. So that might be something which is already an issue with certain centers on, on, on this team, <laughs> which again, it, it rings with Billy Hernan Gomez. We mm-hmm. talked with Rick there and that might be a little something interesting. So when you talk about the assets that the Charlotte Hornets team has, yes, you talk about miles bridges as a young rookie. You talk about Malik monk who again has impressed the last four games. Hopefully he can keep that up tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers. But as far as young guys go, Devontae Graham, probably an asset, depending on what teams think about Dwayne Bacon, but certainly not of all that much value. Billy Hernan Gomez had an opportunity to become more valuable than what he was. And this was a guy that was considered very skilled with the New York Knicks. There was a lot of people that didn't like that trade for the Knicks when they traded him to Charlotte in order to get a couple of second round picks. They also got J.O.B. in that trade. But Brian Windhorst, I remember commenting on the trade you have second round picks to select guys that hopefully turn out like a Billy Hernan Gomez exactly but this is a guy that I don't know how much he's improved from summer league we all got really excited because he hit a couple of threes in summer league and it just seems like defensively he's still awful offensively I don't think he does near enough to negate what he does on the defensive end and as Rick said and I agree and you agree Nada, it's a guy that didn't miss an opportunity as you would say he fumbled the bag no he absolutely fumbled the bag like this is a he had a chance to at least get a starting role or make it where if you lost Cody for another I don't know couple of weeks it wouldn't hurt that much I didn't think anybody saw Biz taking the starting role by the scruff of its neck, essentially, and just owning it and being a more impactful guy than Billy Hernan Gomez over the past five, six weeks. Like, I don't think anybody saw that coming. No, and again, offensively, there's no doubt Billy Hernan Gomez is more skilled than Bismack Biombo, and yet it just hasn't mattered. Bismack Bismack has scored more than him. (laughs) Bismack has been a guy that's been able to get to the rim at times. And again, I I described it this way to Rick. Like it's he's been effective at times. You have not cringed in some of the moments that he's played. There have been some, but Boston. Sure. But then again, a moment like Grizzly defensively, he shows up huge in that fourth quarter. And there are times where he's able to go on a little stretch where he hits a couple of buckets in a row. How about some and ones from Biz, by the way? He's giving you a couple of and ones. Hell, he helped you win that Sacramento game. In Sa- Again, he helped you win the Sacramento game. He helped you stay 
there was been so many Bismack moments to where you're like, okay, you could at least live with biz when it comes to regular season basketball. Postseason basketball, completely different. But it's at the point where, like you've been saying, he's raised his trade value to where you think that there's a legitimate possibility. He may be gone in a couple of days. Well, and and again, I don't it's just it it's not nearly as useless as it might used to be. Like you're nobody wants to pay 17 million dollars to him, but I just wonder if there's anybody out there it's like, "Okay, you know, we'll throw him in." Sure, like if if it means getting some other asset and the Hornets aren't selling, so maybe if it was just to get off of a beyond back con, uh, beyond bow contract, then maybe that would be something that's a little bit easier to do. But I'm probably overselling that point. I just feel like we've all been very pleased at what Biz has given us in his time playing in Cody Zeller's absence. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that's patreon.com slash LOH. We do have the Charlotte Hornets and LA Clippers going on tonight in the Spectrum Center. We'll talk about that next here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Hmm. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. And that's make more sales. Hornets and Clippers matching up for the second time this season. If you'll recall, the first meeting did not go so well. That was a beatdown. Especially in the fourth quarter, it was a beatdown. Didn't get off to a good start. Hornets kind of hung around, but then the Clippers extended that lead to almost 20 points. They ended up winning by 19. How about a 40-point quarter the Hornets gave up to the Clippers in the fourth quarter? Yeah, 40-point quarters. Those those aren't (laughs) as uh, prevalent as they used to be around here. Well, no, they're not. And Borrego had a problem with the 30-point quarters, and they actually gave up a 40-point quarter and this one to the Clips you look at the offensive distribution and what happened with the Hornets in the box score it was a Malik Monk game Monk had 24 points remember this is without most of that in garbage time though it was in garbage time so Malik Monk did show you again fourth quarter Malik Monk even in garbage time exactly it's still a thing 24 points for Malik Monk playing 21 minutes did go 7 of 14 Four of seven from beyond the arc. Jeremy Lamb had a nice game, a decent one, seven of 18, so just below 50%, uh, shooting 16 points. This was not a Kimball Walker game. He did struggle from the field, 30 minutes of action for him, and then going six of 18. Nick Batum, non-existent. Marvin kind of going with a typical Marvin game And that was here. a Tobias game, wasn't it? Uh, Tobias Harris, who always kills the Charlotte Hornets, it was, shooting 50 from the field, four of seven from beyond the arc accumulating 23 points and Gallinari both of those guys all-star caliber players this season at least fringe guys so they performed very well and Montrez Harrell had a nice game and I think that's again we, we've talked about Billy Hernan Gomez we've talked about biz this is a game where you're looking down low now some news Cody Zeller is expected to go tonight he is listed as probable against the LA Clippers I think this is a huge get back yes because 
talking about going up against a guy like Montrez Harrell down low, Billy would get eviscerated. Bismack Biombo, it's not anybody that you trust. It's just Cody Zeller is a much better basketball player. And James Borrego is going to throw him in the fire. So he's going to play Cody Zeller as long as Cody Zeller is able to stay out there. And I'm hoping that's the wise decision, but considering that Cody is more likely to get re-injured with a guy that flails and uses his arms and his limbs <laughs> right. like Montrez Harrell, this might not be the biggest... I'm, I understand why you want to use him, especially since healthy Cody was what was really missing from that game in L.A. when they played. At the same time, like I wouldn't blame him if he said, held him back and was like, you know what, we'll save you for Dallas tomorrow. Well, and we'll see exactly what their chances are of winning this basketball game. But this It's is, a litmus test game to me. This is something I've talked about. Right, and... I talked about this, I think, on the wake-up call. You look at the last few opponents that the Charlotte Hornets have had. It's been Mm -hmm. on one end of the spectrum or the other as far as whether they're teams that certainly the Hornets aren't going to be favored against or they are absolutely going to be favored against. For instance, it kind of goes back, I would probably put it at that Suns game where they were absolutely expected to beat the Suns. They did. They were certainly favored or excuse me they were certainly not favored to beat the Indiana Pacers on the road that was still with Oladipo they lose to them since then mm-hmm. it's been the Grizzlies the Bucks the Knicks the Celtics Grizzlies again and the Chicago Bulls we've had a stretch of one end of the spectrum or the other the Clippers are not that no the Clippers are a team that is just a it's a mirror image it it's a few games above 500 they're 29 and 25 they are out west so that's something that probably gives them a little bit more merit but this is a team where the Charlotte Hornets can absolutely take advantage of them. They absolutely have a chance to beat them, especially at home. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites here, so they are the favored basketball team. This is a team that it is a little bit more of a team that you're looking at in the mirror rather than the other games that you've played pretty much the last ten. You know those sci-fi movies where they have the mirror images of the guys or the evil dimension versions of those guys with like the <laughs> crappy beards and everything else? Like, If you've seen one episode of Star Trek, it's probably that Spock one, Evil Spock or whatever. This is like literally the Hornets are the good Spock version of the L.A. Clippers. That's what they are. This is two mirror image teams, two teams that pride themselves on hustle. And the days they don't hustle are the days they get their teeth kicked in. So you just have to hope that this this game is one where they do not hustle or get this is a litmus test, but it is a really big litmus test game for this team, primarily because. You want to go in with some momentum, especially on a road back-to-back going into tomorrow against the Mavericks. And so you see where the clip, where you see uh, the Clippers match up against some of these teams. Uh, you look at points per game. We referenced this, I believe, last time they played. They are very good offensively. They do rank sixth in the NBA in points per game. They're not a great rebounding team, only 14th, so maybe that's something that Cody Zeller would be able to help with Yeah, but neither are the Hornets, really. Yeah, yeah, they're really not, so you wonder what gives in that battle. Assists per game, the Clippers don't move the ball all that well. They're 23rd, and then in points allowed, defensively, it seems like I think they've picked it up a little bit since the last time we checked in on them, but 24th ranked in points allowed. So the Charlotte Hornets, I think this would be, if you're looking for an over-under, this is well above 200 points that you're Oh, oh, easy, easy. You're betting the over you're banging the over on this. <laughs> you are taking the Clippers and the points on in this as well. 
Even though with the Charlotte Hornets defense playing better, the Hornets, the Clippers oh, offense, it's been very good this. If season. you bet on the Hornets to win this game, you are a fool. <laughs> because you never should do that. Doesn't no. matter if it's a bottom dweller or even an evil version that you see in the mirror. All right. Thanks again for a brief little podcast that we've done here today on Locked On Hornets and the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lock On Hornets. We'll be back to recap the Clippers game tomorrow. See you guys.